Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Today we have a crazy nuclear revenge all involving an heirloom. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, the colleague I was warned about. No matter how many times I was warned never to be too soft, I managed to remain unbothered. To me, not everyone is born with a hard heart, and as long as no one gets hurt, life should continue. The day that changed was the day I found out that I had, in fact, been more hard-hearted than I ever thought possible. Her name is Lillian. That's the name of the girl who swept me off my feet. I was new at a thriving oil conglomerate, and just like every sane new employee, I didn't see the need to know or meet all my colleagues at once. But Augustine, my deskmate, had mentioned this name Lillian so often that I thought they were an item. I was sure she must be smoking hot because nothing else described Augustine's obsession with her. I didn't see it coming when Augustine dragged me aside one day just to say, when you meet her, make sure you see beyond the tip of your nose. Amidst a bizarre drama in our department, I managed to give a quirky smile as I packed my bags. I was so relaxed and unbothered. Everyone had Lillian's names on their lips. To some, she was unjustly treated, while others felt she was a terrible instigator who did exactly what everyone said she did. I became curious and amused at the same time. As much as I didn't care about the side conversations around my office, I wanted to unravel the mystery called Lillian. I cared less if she were a walking goddess, even though I'd only met her from a distance, but deep down I was wary of her. The firm had a long tradition of celebrating Christmas parties. Augustine told me it was something to look forward to. He highlighted the events that made the party the talk of the town. I was shocked to find out that it was a week-long event. Somehow I managed not to get excited. I like to spend Christmas with my family and I didn't look forward to sharing those moments with a bunch of people who didn't love one another. Even though I didn't approve of the Christmas party, I learned that a tradition is a tradition and it must go on with or without my approval. I met Lillian a couple of times before the Christmas party began. She knew I didn't rate her too much and she didn't try to impress me either. At least, that was what Augustine said she did to anyone she wanted to get close to. Her gut could make me puke, so the disinterest was mutual. I had heard a lot about Lillian, but no one told me she held so much power in the firm. She was the niece of Timothy, a powerful director at the firm. He had managed to fix her everywhere he knew she could look and feel powerful. Perhaps that explained why everyone was wary of Lillian. She had power and a disgusting character. She was made to chair a group that planned the Christmas weekend getaway. We worked closely together because I had the huge responsibility of making reservations for our accommodation. We went from speaking every day to laughing at each other's jokes. I don't know why I didn't find her awkward at close range. It amused me so much that she had become one of my best people at the firm in just a short while. Lillian and I continued to grow closer despite the ominous hatred between Augustine and her. We spent more time together planning the Christmas weekend getaway, and in a strange way, I found myself enjoying her company. As we got closer, I started to discover the nuances of her character. Yes, she could be ruthless and demanding, but there was a vulnerability beneath that steely exterior. I couldn't help but feel there was more to her story than met the eye. 
The tension in the office reached its peak as Lillian and I became inseparable. Augustine's disapproval was evident, and the rumors around the office around our friendship intensified. It became increasingly difficult to balance my loyalty to Augustine with my growing bond with Lillian. One evening as the Christmas party approached, Augustine confronted me in the office kitchen. Why are you doing this? he asked, his voice strained with frustration. I don't know, Augustine, I replied honestly. I've just found a friend in Lillian and I don't want to let her down. Augustine sighed, realizing that our friendship might never be the same. We decided to keep our distance, even though it hurt both of us. It hurt that I had to let go of my friendship with Augustine, but if I was going to keep my friendship with Lillian, then it was worth it. I wasn't going to break the girl code because of a man. I loved Augustine, but I liked the mystery that Lillian represented. The Christmas party took place and it was as extravagant as promised. For the first time, I truly enjoyed the festivities. Lillian and I danced, laughed, and celebrated with our colleagues. The tension that surrounded us seemed to fade away in the holiday spirit. But then came the night of the big gala, the culmination of the week-long celebration. Augustine and I decided to spend time together, reminiscing about our shared experiences and rekindling our friendship. As we clinked glasses, I couldn't help but notice Lillian's icy stare from across the room. I excused myself from Augustine's company to join Lillian, thinking we could clear the air. But when I approached her, she turned away, refusing to meet my eyes. I made a choice that I would later regret. I chose Lillian over Augustine, thinking that maybe our friendship could be salvaged, and that Lillian and I could find a way to resolve the tension. I made my move clear to her just so we could continue to enjoy what I thought was precious to both of us, our friendship. This was a decision I regretted so much. I continued to give Lillian my unwavering friendship and support, but she seemed distant and preoccupied. It wasn't long before I began to realize that I was getting nothing in return for all that I'd invested in our friendship. I couldn't ignore the gnawing feeling that something was wrong. I'd been warned not to be too trusting, and I ignored it. But it was time to face the truth. Lillian had betrayed my trust. She had lured me into a false sense of security and had used me for her own gain. The revelation of Lillian's betrayal stung deeply. I had thought that our friendship was genuine and that there was a connection between us that transcended office politics and drama, but in reality, I'd been a pawn in her game. One afternoon, I got a call from the human resources manager. I froze. I had never been called by the human resources manager except for the occasional checks and reports. I tidied up my desk and took almost forever to use the elevator bound for the third floor. Mr. Thompson, the human resources manager, gave me a cold look that I couldn't decipher. Everywhere was cold, both the atmosphere and the air in the room. What have I done? I asked aloud. I didn't expect anybody to hear me, but they did. What have you done? Mr. Reynolds muttered weirdly. He gave that look that everyone detested so much around the firm. Take it. Check what you've done, Mr. Reynolds said, almost shouting. I was handed a paper that showed the quotation for all the reservations I'd made for all staff members who were available for the Christmas weekend getaway. But what I didn't understand quite clearly was why the figure was different. As unfair as it sounds, I wasn't given a chance to explain my part of the story. I was handed a dismissal letter in the blink of an eye. I stood transfixed outside Mr. Reynolds' office. I didn't understand the episodes that unfolded in those short moments. I didn't deserve such cruel treatment. No one does. I needed to think fast. Thankfully, I still had the quotation with me. I didn't scan through. I digested every word on the print, hook, line, and sinker. 
Then it struck me like lightning that I'd been betrayed by the woman I danced with and shared a drink with. But why? Why would she alter the figure I wrote? Lillian was the woman who led the committee I belonged to during the Christmas events, and she was the only one who was authorized to sign off on a document. I gave her a figure I knew would be sufficient to make reservations for everyone's accommodation in a moderately fancy hotel, but she had changed the document, altered the figure, and signed it again. Then it was obvious she submitted the document she manipulated. At that moment, the company had found out that they'd been defrauded of $30,000. Whoosh! They couldn't forgive that, and no one would believe that I didn't have the money either. I was in charge of that assignment, and so I gave the figures. How ridiculous! I couldn't believe that I'd been so blind that I hadn't looked beyond the tip of my nose as Augustine had warned. The pain of the betrayal weighed heavily on me, and I knew that I couldn't let it go without getting to the root of it. The world must find out the truth. I started to gather information, piecing together the extent of Lillian's manipulation and deceit. I reached out to colleagues who had been wronged by her in the past, and their stories confirmed my suspicions. I used the information I'd gathered to turn the tables on her putting her in a compromising position that mirrored the one she had put me in. I pro- A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. Promised that I would be the last person that she would hurt. I came forth with an idea. I was too desperate not to have any at that point. I pleaded with Mr. Reynolds to have Lillian and I submit our bank statements for the last six months. It sounded ridiculous, given the situation at hand and who Lillian was at the firm, but after so much pressure, Mr. Reynolds gave in. Lillian was shocked to see that I was on the verge of winning, and at that point, the situation had escalated. The tension between Lillian and me escalated into a full-blown confrontation. We engaged in a psychological battle each of us trying to outmaneuver the other. It was a high-stakes game of revenge, but she had no choice other than to do as she was directed. No one expected to see that Lillian was much more than a betrayer. 
she was a manipulator and a thief. It was obvious that she had gotten $30,000 from the hotel we booked. Apparently, she had liaised with someone who worked in that hotel to defraud the firm and she had gotten her own part of the bargain. How cruel! Why should I be a pawn in her game? The plot twist that followed was magnificent. There was an emergency meeting for all members of staff. The suspense was intense, but I could tell that everyone enjoyed the drama. First, I'd been warned to stay off Lillian, but I didn't listen. Despite the numerous stares that lack empathy, there was one person who had my back in the midst of the drama and chaos. It was Augustine. I couldn't hold back my tears as he squeezed my hands. I didn't deserve such loyalty. I knew Mr. Reynolds knew the truth, but I didn't believe he could share the truth with everyone else in the firm. In front of everyone, Lillian was dismissed and hand over equally to the police. Regardless of who was involved, a fraud was a fraud. I get their plan, basically defraud the company and try to blame it all on OP, but I just don't understand how they think they could just get away with it like that. Like sure, all signs pointed to OP and most people would assume OP, but it's not like there would be any evidence of wrongdoing and chances are, wouldn't OP have a copy of whatever they sent to be approved and whatnot? I think the problem here is, obviously, money can influence people to do something stupid without fully understanding how easy it is for them to just get totally busted. Our next story is, when they swindle you of your inheritance, you fight back hard. I'm Simeon, and I was born into privilege. Well, I like to say it that way, it wasn't like I was born in the money of Bill Gates or Zuckerberg, but they were sufficient in their own right. My parents, Charles and Eliza, were hardworking individuals who had built a substantial fortune through years of dedication and sacrifice. They were loving and compassionate and had instilled in me the values of honesty, integrity, and the importance of family. In their will, they left me a substantial inheritance, not just as a token of their affection, but as a means to secure my future and continue the legacy they had worked so tirelessly to create. It was nice. Life was good and I felt blessed to have been born into such a loving family. The inheritance they left me was a testament to their unwavering love and trust in me. I felt their presence in every corner of our elegant family estate, and their memories filled the rooms with warmth and nostalgia. However, like the dark clouds that suddenly blot out a clear blue sky, my life took an unexpected and devastating turn when I crossed paths with Dave. He was a wolf in sheep's clothing, a cunning predator masked as a friend. Dave's charm and charisma were disarming and he swiftly insinuated himself into my life. Little did I know that behind his friendly facade lay a master manipulator with a single sinister goal, to steal my inheritance right from under my nose. The day I discovered the theft was the darkest day of my life. As I sat in my now empty family estate, the realization hit me like a sledgehammer. My parents' legacy, their hard-earned wealth, the very essence of who they were, was gone. In its place was an overpowering sense of anger, despair, and betrayal. I remembered the moments I'd spent with my parents in this very house, the laughter that once echoed through these halls, the family dinners, the heartfelt conversations by the fireplace. Those were the memories that now seemed painfully distant. David not only robbed me of my inheritance, but had also desecrated the memory of my parents. My love for them and my burning desire for justice were all I had left. Amidst all this, I needed to find a way to get back what was mine. I couldn't sleep. Every night I stared at the ceiling, reliving the moments when David betrayed my trust. The sting of his deceit and the audacity of his theft gnawed at my soul. I could no longer stand idly by. I had to act. 
not just for my sake, but to preserve the honor of my parents and their life's work. That's when a searing determination overtook me. I knew that the path ahead was treacherous, filled with uncertainty and danger, but I couldn't let Dave get away with what he'd done. My parents had raised me to be strong, to stand up for what was right, and to protect the family's legacy. And so, I decided that I would fight back in every way that I could. I didn't mind what I would have to lose along the line. All I knew was that I could not let Dave get away with cheating me and taking all that my parents worked for all their lives. With the anger and determination burning within me, I knew I had to take matters into my own hands. Dave had manipulated me, swindling me out of my inheritance, and there was no way I could rely on the law alone to bring him to justice. I had to craft a cunning plan, a scheme as elaborate and precise as the gears in a clock. There were certain things that I knew I had to check through about Dave's past. I needed to understand his weaknesses, his vulnerabilities, and what made him tick. From this would come finding those that he wanted to show a good side to. I needed to find a way to bring them to my side, then find a way to expose his greed to these people. It seemed really easy to think of, however I was sure that the workings of this simple path of revenge would take the largest willpower I have ever had to surmount. With the initial shock of discovering the theft behind me, I knew it was time to take control of the situation. I decided to embark on a relentless journey to expose Dave's malevolence and regain my stolen inheritance. It all began with research. I immersed myself in Dave's past, meticulously combing through records and talking to anyone who had ever crossed his path. It was a deep dive into the heart of darkness, and what I uncovered was chilling. David left a trail of deceit, betrayed alliances, and a history of exploiting others. It was clear that his tactics were not limited to me alone. I began to beat myself up because I felt like I should have known what he was up to. I should have seen through the facade of friendship that he extended to me. As I delved deeper into his sordid history, I unearthed his modus operandi, the cunning techniques he used to manipulate and deceive. I understood how he had managed to slip through the cracks, leaving no trace of his nefarious activities. It was a chilling realization that this man had perfected the art of deceit. But it was a good thing that I was not alone. At least, not really. There were people I could reach out to that he had done something similar to. This was exactly what I did, and I started with Emily. Emily, my former colleague, had suffered the brunt of Dave's treachery in a previous business venture. She was the first to join my cause, her determination to expose him as fervent as mine. Her case was a bit more annoying than mine because it was her words against his. There was nothing to back her up. We needed a digital mastermind, someone who could navigate the intricate web of Dave's financial misdeeds. So, Emily introduced me to a guy she used to know, Jack. Jack, a brilliant computer expert, came on board. To this moment, I still do not understand why he had a knack for bringing himself into issues that relate to financial misdeeds. I like to think that he must have had his fair share of being played. That was the only reason I got it, but I don't know. As we gathered evidence and built our case against Dave, it became evident that our mission was not just about revenge, it was about ensuring justice prevailed. We couldn't afford to let Dave slip away with a mere slap on the wrist, and our clever plan was the key to making sure that didn't happen. With each passing day, our plan took shape, becoming an intricate web of strategy, deceit, and retribution. We would expose Dave's wrongdoings, his fraudulent transactions, and the countless lives he had ruined in his insatiable pursuit of wealth and power. 
Our approach was clever and elaborate, designed to unravel. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Travel the web of deceit he had so carefully woven. Putting our revenge plan into action was a perilous journey, as was the thought that I was swindled of my parents' toil and sweat. Our first challenge was maintaining absolute secrecy. We couldn't risk Dave getting wind of our intentions. He was a wily adversary, and any suspicion on his part could derail our mission. This one mistake we would have made was to let him know that we were onto him. Left to him, I had taken the loss not knowing where it had all come from, and I was not going to do anything about it. His merely knowing that I knew what really happened meant that he would get rid of everything that I could use to tie him to the whole scenario. I couldn't risk that, so we had to keep our interactions under the radar as much as we could. More so, gathering irrefutable evidence was no small feat. It required hours of painstaking research, sifting through countless documents, and unearthing a labyrinth of deceit. Emily's ability to persuade Dave's former business partners and acquaintances to share their stories was indispensable. Jack, our digital genius, worked tirelessly to expose hidden financial trails and offshore accounts. Each revelation brought us closer to our goal, but it also escalated the danger. But I think the greatest challenge we faced was keeping our personal lives from crumbling. The stress of this covert operation took a toll on our relationships with friends and family. We couldn't confide in anyone, not even those closest to us, for fear of compromising our mission. The sacrifices were immense, but our collective commitment to justice drove us forward. The closer we got to our goal, the more suspense and tension filled our days. We couldn't afford to underestimate Dave's cunning. I mean, he'd been getting away with scamming people for years. But I was hell-bent on making sure that I was the last person he scammed. The danger lay not only in what he knew, but also in what he suspected. He was clever, and his devious instincts were sharpened by the growing realization that someone was closing in on him. Keeping our intentions hidden from Dave was essential. The element of surprise would be our greatest advantage. The climax of our story took an unexpected turn when I decided to take the evidence that Jack had painstakingly gathered and hand it over to the authorities. It was a bold move, and it marked the beginning of a new chapter in our quest for justice. The evidence we had collected was not from conventional legal channels, but I believe that the truth had a power of its own. I watched as detectives examined the documents, piecing together the web of deceit David woven. While they couldn't use this evidence directly in court, They saw the bigger picture, recognizing the patterns of fraud, deception, and manipulation that Dave had employed. The detectives brought Dave in for questioning, and as I shared my story, the evidence we had collected played a pivotal role in the interrogation. It became clear that Dave had left a trail of victims and crimes, not just related to me, but to numerous others he had swindled over the years. Though they couldn't use the evidence directly, the detectives found a way to make Dave confess to his crimes. The weight of the accumulated guilt and the pressure of the truth became too much for him to bear. He admitted to his deceit, manipulation, and theft of my inheritance. 
The truth had caught up with him, and he was finally held accountable for his actions. In the end, justice was served. Dave received a 15-year prison sentence, not only for the crimes he had committed against me, but for those that were traced back to him through the evidence we had collected. It was a moment of triumph, not just for me, but for all the victims who had been wronged by Dave's deception. Not only did I reclaim my rightful inheritance, but I also received compensation for the damages he had caused. The legacy my parents had left me was no longer tainted, and I could finally honor their memory with a sense of closure and vindication. It's been five years since that momentous day, and life has moved forward. The weight of the past has been lightened, and the knowledge that justice was served continues to bring a sense of peace. I recently stumbled upon one of the documents I'd backed up in the cloud during the case. As I revisited the evidence, I couldn't help but smile knowing that I'd pleaded my case and not only won it, but also ensured that the truth prevailed. I don't know if OP didn't want to talk about it because it would be too doxing or compromising or something, but I just wish I could have known what this guy did to steal their inheritance. Was it like a business venture that they set up where the whole inheritance funneled into that for some reason and obviously the company folded right after or something? Was it a personal thing where they got older and he was able to smooth talk them and weasel his way into like a power of attorney type thing and siphon it off then? I think it would have been really interesting to know how that even happened. This next story is, stealing is bad but going for an heirloom? That's just crazy. My jewelry studio was a haven of creativity, a sanctuary of precious gems and delicate craftsmanship nestled in the heart of our charming coastal town. The warm, gentle sunlight filtered through the large bay windows, casting a soft, welcoming glow on the polished gemstones that adorned the shelves. Every piece in my collection bore my unique touch, but among them, one stood out with unparalleled significance. A rare sapphire necklace, a cherished family heirloom passed down through generations. The necklace was a gift from my grandmother, who had received it from her own mother, and it had become an inseparable part of my life. Its deep velvety blue sapphire held a rich history, and I often found myself tracing its contours with my fingers as I worked on my designs. It was as though the necklace whispered stories of love and adventure, tales that spanned across time and tides. The legend of its origin had been etched in our family's lore. A mysterious sailor, a visitor to our coastal town in the early 19th century, had bestowed the necklace as a token of his love for a local woman. As a kid, I used to really believe this story, but as I grew older, I felt it was just another story that they coined to make a thing sound more eye-catching than it already was. But regardless, when the necklace finally got to my hands, all of that did not matter. All that mattered was that it was an heirloom and it was my time to hold on to it and in coming years, I would have to pass it down to my favorite daughter. The necklace's intricate design and the sapphire's mesmerizing hue made it a symbol of unwavering devotion and resilience. To be honest, I began to feel like the necklace was more than a piece of jewelry, it was a connection to my roots and a constant reminder of the enduring love that brought it into our family. As I painstakingly worked on my jewelry designs, the empty display where the sapphire necklace once resided weighed on me, the longing to recover it growing with each passing day. It made me think of the sweet savor of revenge against the audacious thief who had dared to steal this precious heirloom from my life. My world shattered on the night of the extravagant jewelry exhibition, an event that should have celebrated the culmination of months of hard work. 
The coastal town's elite and art enthusiasts had gathered in a dazzling ballroom adorned with sparkling chandeliers, all aglow with a sense of anticipation. I had displayed my creations with pride, but the centerpiece, the rare sapphire necklace, had drawn the most attention. The necklace, with its vibrant sapphire and intricate gold setting, was like a beacon, casting a captivating spell on anyone who laid eyes on it. As I mingled with the guests, I watched their awe and reverence for the heirloom, and I couldn't help but smile. It was almost as if the necklace was sharing its stories with them, just as it had with my family for so many years. Then he appeared, a man who exuded an air of confidence and charm, but his eyes betrayed a cunning, determined purpose. Later, I would know that his name is Nathaniel. Nathaniel, a notorious art and jewelry thief, had a reputation for his audacious heists and an insatiable taste for rare gemstones. He was known to strike swiftly and vanish without a trace, leaving chaos and heartbreak in its wake. Nathaniel, with a sly and grin and quick-practiced hands, managed to infiltrate the exhibition's security, bypassing alarms and surveillance systems. In a matter of moments, he had the sapphire necklace in his possession, concealed beneath his tailored suit. But the crazy part is that I didn't notice the theft until the exhibition concluded. I reached for the necklace to return it to its secure case. My heart raced. My breath caught in my throat and panic set in. The necklace was gone, and there was a painful void in its place. The realization hit me like a wave crashing against the shore, and my world came crashing down with it. Nathaniel had successfully executed the heist, leaving me devastated. The necklace that had been a part of my family for generations now cruelly torn from my grasp. I couldn't stand idly by and let Nathaniel, the cunning thief, get away with this audacious heist. Determination coursed through my veins and I knew I had to take action. With a heavy heart and a resolve as unyielding as the tide, I set out on my quest for vengeance. My first call was to my childhood friend James, a tech-savvy journalist with a knack for digging up information and connections that ran deep. We had shared countless adventures as kids, exploring every nook and cranny of our coastal town, and I knew I could trust him. James arrived at my studio with a fierce determination in his eyes, a reflection of my own determination. He knew the story of the heirloom, he had been a part of the days when my grandmother told the story while we listened to her with rapt attention. The jewel was mine as much as it was his because we knew of its origin together. The difference is that it was mine by blood and birthright. We began by talking to attendees of the jewelry exhibition, hoping to gleam any information that might lead us to Nathaniel. The guests, many of whom were familiar faces from our close-knit community, offered their sympathies and promised to help in any way they could. After our interviews, we focused our attention on the exhibition's security footage. James knew just how to access the surveillance systems and work his technological magic. We spent hours poring over the recordings, seeking any sign of the thief's presence. It was a painstaking process, and as the hours passed, the weight of my loss and the anger toward Nathaniel fueled our determination. Armed with some promising leads, a sense of purpose, and an unwavering friendship, James and I were ready to take the first steps in our quest to bring Nathaniel to justice and reclaim the sapphire necklace that held so much sentimental value in my life. Days turned into nights as James and I tirelessly combed through the security footage, the soft glow of multiple computer screens illuminating our determined faces. It was during one of these marathon viewing sessions that I stumbled upon a significant lead. 
There, amidst the recordings, was a fleeting glimpse of Nathaniel. His face was partially obscured by a masquerade mask, but his distinctive features and the glint of his mischief in his eyes were unmistakable. It was a clue that would, hopefully, lead us to his identity. With the revelation of Nathaniel's appearance, our plan began to take shape. James, ever resourceful, made use of his journalistic connections to discreetly inquire about individuals who fit Nathaniel's description. His network extended into the shadiest corners of the town, and it was not long before he uncovered a name, Nathaniel Reinhardt, a mysterious figure with a penchant for high-stakes thefts. As our list of clues and potential leads grew, we knew we needed to stay ahead of Nathaniel's next move. With his audacity, we were certain he'd strike again soon. We decided to create a clever trap. Using the clue we had found in the security footage and the knowledge we had gathered about Nathaniel's modus operandi, James worked his magic once more, contacting the local police and discreetly sharing our findings with them. We arranged for a faux jewelry exhibition that we hoped would entice Nathaniel. We carefully selected a rare gem, one that had the allure of the stolen sapphire necklace but was, in fact, a convincing decoy. As the night of the exhibition approached, we gathered the necessary resources. The local police provided undercover officers to be discreetly stationed at the event, and we had a team ready to monitor the security systems in real time. I must confess that I was not entirely sure that he would not see through the charade, but I had to keep on, hoping that he would not. I stood at the center of the room, my heart pounding like a drum, ready to confront the thief who had so callously torn my precious sapphire necklace from my life. The necklace's absence had left an emptiness within me that I was determined to fill with justice. As the evening wore on, James and I kept a close watch on the guests our eyes scanning for any sign of the cunning thief. Then, just as the night grew darker, a shadowy figure entered the room. His eyes fixed on the decoy gem. It was Nathaniel, drawn to our trap like a moth to a flame. I approached Nathaniel with a forced calm, the necklace he had stolen from me weighing heavy in my thoughts. As I neared him, he turned, and for a fleeting moment, our eyes met. The masquerade mask concealed his identity, but I knew the glint of mischief and audacity in his eyes all too well. It was Nathaniel. Beautiful, isn't it? I asked, nodding toward the decoy gem. Nathaniel smiled a smile that oozed charm and deceit. Indeed it is, he replied, his voice smooth as silk. I have a particular fondness for beautiful things. It was a thinly veiled taunt, and I couldn't hold back the anger that surged within me. You may have a fondness for beautiful things, but you have no understanding of their true worth, I retorted, my voice quivering with a mix of frustration and fury. You've stolen something that's been in my family for generations, a symbol of love and heritage. At that moment, the ballroom seemed to fall away, leaving only Nathaniel and me in our heated exchange. The guests remained oblivious to the drama unfolding before their eyes, wrapped up in the illusion of the exhibition. Nathaniel's eyes widened, the realization dawning upon him that he was no longer in control. He attempted to step back to make his escape, but he was surrounded and trapped by the undercover officers. As the officers revealed their badges and moved in to apprehend him, the ballroom erupted in surprise. The thief had been caught and justice was served. I watched as Nathaniel, the master of audacious thefts, was led away his charm and deceit powerless against the relentless pursuit of justice. 
The officers, experienced and relentless, pressed Nathaniel for information with unwavering determination. In the face of overwhelming evidence and the prospect of a lengthy prison sentence, Nathaniel finally cracked. He revealed a hidden stash, a secret vault where he had stored his ill-gotten treasures. With this newfound knowledge, the officers launched a raid that uncovered a trove of stolen art and jewelry, a cache of other victims' anguish. Among the recovered treasures, my cherished sapphire necklace gleamed, its luster undiminished. It was a moment of triumph, the culmination of our relentless pursuit of justice, and a testament to the unwavering resilience of those who cherished their heirlooms. The stolen possessions were returned to their rightful owners, and their absence was replaced with a profound sense of relief and closure. As the dust settled and the echoes of our confrontations with Nathaniel faded away, I was left holding my precious sapphire necklace. Slightly tarnished from the ordeal, it bore the scars of confrontation, but it was once again in my possession. The sense of triumph was overwhelming, but it was mingled with a bittersweet feeling of having seen my cherished family heirloom subjected to danger. I cradled the necklace in my hand, its cool, familiar weight grounding me. Its once immaculate beauty was now marred. It seemed a symbol of endurance, much like the love and heritage it represented. But all of this did not really matter. What mattered was that I got my family's property back. At worst, it was an addition to the story I was told. Well, I'm certainly glad that OP got their family heirloom back. It's actually a very smart thing that they did here, and I'm glad the police were on board with setting up this operation to try to catch this guy. I'm imagining this must have happened in a very prolific place, someplace that probably has a lot of wealth going around. So before OP got involved in this operation, I'm sure this Nathaniel guy was already pretty far up there on the list of criminals they wanted to catch. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.